0: Let's pray. Father, bless our brother today. I love him so much, Lord. He's like a big brother to me. And I pray that you'll bless him and anoint him and help him bring the word that you've put in his heart to us. May we receive it. And May you prepare us to receive what you give to us today. And we thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Super Bowl Sunday, isn't it? Nope. This ain't Tampa Bay. And I'm not the goat, nor am I the kid. And I'm not too young, but thanks anyway, Ron. This is, put, this puts me in remembrance of somebody, just this plain football. Some of you may know the name Vince Lombardi. Famous coach for the Green Bay Packers. And every... Summer, every summer, when the team came together, rookies and veterans, with the very first meeting with Coach Lombardi, the very first one ever, he would stand in front of them, just like I'm in front of you today, toss a football up like this, and then he would hold it up. And he would say, gentlemen, this is a football. This is a football. Church, this is our sword. This is our shield. This is our direction for life. By the way, Bible basic instructions before leaving earth. This is all that we need. In spite of what gets thrown at us each and every day, by the world in which we live, this is all we need. So this morning, I'm just gonna cover a few basic things with you. As Coach Lombardi was instructing his team, the veterans knew this. They'd heard him for several years, the rookies that What's up with this dude? I know that's a football. But his point is, we're going to stress basics. Don't fumble the football as a basic. And we can't afford to fumble this. Every Jewish believer that was serious about his faith began with some basics each day in his worship. They call it the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. And the Gospels record Jesus saying, and the second commandment is like unto this, thou shalt not avenge nor bear a grudge, against the children of your people but thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself i am the lord we know that right everybody here know that right raise your hand you 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 know that we're called to love the lord our god how are we doing with that every day peter the apostle peter wrote a couple of letters They're toward the tail end of the New Testament. He was writing mostly to Christians who were dispersed through persecution, and they were having a tough go on it. Heresy had crept in. False teachers had crept in. They were just getting a lot of stuff thrown at them all at once. Kind of like today. It's kind of like today. I know that you are watching by Zoom this morning. You understand that. It's like today. And he wrote these words to them, encouraging them. 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to start reading in verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to usward. He's patience with us. He wants us to get it, not willing that any should perish, but at all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. Also and the works that are therein shall all be burned up. Seeing then that these things shall be dissolved, what manner of people ought we to be in all holy living and conduct and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, nevertheless. When you see that word nevertheless, always back up four or five verses and see what they're talking about. Nevertheless, in light of all that this is going to happen, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Praise God, that day's coming. You know, a lot of people today are wringing their hands and they're doing this, oh, woe is me, and it's a tough place to live, and I don't understand those young babies, those young people having all these babies. They're bringing children into this mess. But it's a great time to be alive. Charlie Helmick has said that over and over and over again. Charlie, if you're Zooming, thanks. I borrowed it from you. This is a great time to be alive. We possibly could see this day. Now, I don't know about the fire and the great noise and all that, but listen, if we're there, we're going to get grace It will be covered. This is not a day of doom and gloom. It's a day to rejoice because we have these exceeding great and precious promises. And Paul told the Corinthian church, you have got all of these promises stored up in your clay jar. Well, guess what? One of these days, the clay jar is going to be gone, but the promises are still there. Seeing then that we have these promises, and we're looking for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness, beloved, seeing that you're looking for such things, be diligent. Be careful that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. I can tell you that I've got more spots than a leopard. I can tell you that I am not blameless. But I can tell you that that blood cleanses me from all my sin. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for that blood that cleanses us from all sin. And let's take account of this one thing. That this patience the Lord has toward us is salvation. And we just need to exercise that kind of same patience. So what kind of people ought we to be seeing that these things are going to come upon us? What do you think? Some people have adopted, and there's some people in the church that have done this. I'm sorry to tell you, but it's evident. They've caved in. They're so full of doom and gloom over our current political debacle in this country. All they're thinking about is uh, maybe Joe Biden's the Antichrist. I mean, they're just eat up with this stuff. I hope none of you Zooming are that way, and I hope none of you are here are feeling that way. I hope that we're all more Christ-centered than we are politically centered. I hope we're more Christian than we are patriotic. And there's nothing wrong with patriotism. But our citizenship is in heaven, class from whence we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who when he comes will change these vile bodies into the glory of his likeness. Praise God. So be patient. If you have to, tie another knot in the rope and hold on. No, don't do that. Just do what Paul says, having done all, stand. So what kind of people, what manner of people ought we to be in all holy conduct and godliness? We need to be sacred people. I'm not talking about holier-than-now people. And we need to be pure people. And I'm not talking about, let's be perfectionists. I'm not talking about that at all. But we need to hold within ourselves a reverential awe for the Lord. We need to remember each and every day when we rise up in the morning, it is a gift from God. It's a gift. And stop and think about it. He protected you through the night. He gave his angels charge over you to keep you from the evil of the night, to keep you from the pestilence that stalks in darkness. And you're here. Praise God, you're here. Holy conduct, sacred and pure. Matthew 5.8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Listen, church, that's not a physical seeing God, like with our eyes. But it's a spiritual perception within you. You see God, and you see the things of God with your spiritual eyes. Blessed are the pure in heart. It's going to be tough in these days to be pure in heart. It was tough in those days that these people were going through all of these things that Peter wrote to. It was tough, but they persevered. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Hebrews twelve fourteen says this, Follow peace with all men. How are we doing with that one? Follow peace with all men. And holiness, without which it is impossible to please God. That should strike a note in fear in all of us. Pursue holiness, for without it, we don't please God. (laughs) That's not Pastor Wally telling you that, that's the Lord God Almighty in these inspired scriptures. We need to have this reverential awe. We need to develop piety. And again, that's not a big word to get stumbled over. We're not going to walk around with all of this holier-than-thou attitude and more focused on heaven, and we got so many, and then we are on earth. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting in step each and every day with the theme of the gospel. You don't know what the theme of the gospel is? Well then, just how long has it been since you read the gospel? I hope you're reading the word each and every day. Ron and I and the team, we go down to the street church and oftentimes we do feed people because they, they don't know. They're not feeding themselves, but we're at the church. We've got the answers right. Yes! If you're getting just a little bit of what I'm saying this morning, would, would you please communicate that to your face, to your smiler? Thank you. you will try this sometime, you know. Sometimes you're just up here and you're going, I guess like a, like a guy at stand-up comedy, and you think, man, am I bombing? I thought that was a good joke, you know. But we need to be devoted to the gospel theme. Listen to what Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy, uh, in 1 Timothy. And I'm going to read a few verses in chapter 4. That'll be verses 7 and 8. He says to Timothy, Timothy, refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself, train yourself rather unto godliness. What's godliness? Godliness. Well, we know what the world is, right? Godliness is the opposite. It's just everything that's the opposite. Train yourself there. Bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. I'm here to tell you that God has just promised us if we'll live life his way, we profit. Having a promise of the life that now is and the life that is to come, And this is a faithful saying, and it's worthy of acceptance. In chapter 6 and verse 6, he just simply says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. That means the pot might be empty at times, but we can still be godly. Might not do me any harm to have an empty pot around every once in a while. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And verses 10 and 11 in chapter 6 say, For the love of money, and he's still talking to Timothy here now, so don't get, don't get squeezed out. He's not, he's not accusing us of anything yet. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Money always is going to let us down. If we're focused on money, we will always be disappointed. But if our focus on money is to always handle it the right way, the way that God tells us to do, we will have an abundance of monies. I believe that with all my heart. They've erred from the faith. They've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, But we, Church of the Living God, us, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, patience, and meekness. I thank God that I've got a Savior that didn't give up on me. And he sent a woman into my life 30 years ago who hasn't given up on me either. And early on, she told me one, one evening, I got in a heated discussion with somebody, and afterwards she called me aside and she said, Babe, you just can't cram what you believe down other people's throats. Whoa, hold on, big fella. Take it a little bit at a time. That's meekness. That's meekness. Even if you are the big dog. Royce Chapman, I know you're watching us. He had a license plate bracket on, on his pickup truck, and it's still there. I am the big dog. But even if you are the biggest dog, don't bark like it, unless, of course, you have to. In light of the holy conduct and in light of godliness, I believe we ought to be this. And this is not an all-encompassing list. This is just what the Lord gave to me as I was reading the Word. We need to be a praying people. We need to be a worshiping people. And I don't have any significance on this, on this listing, on its order. But if I were going to put a listing on it, worship would be first. Thank you, Becca. I want to tell you something, dear lady. You have been such a godsend to this church family. And each and every Sunday, I anticipate sitting here. This is why I couldn't stand Zoom. I I had to get off. As soon as I could get off Zoom, the microphone and the camera went in the cigar box, and I'm back in church because I needed to be in your presence and in the worship team's presence and in the presence of this choir, hearing us all sing praises to God and worship him corporately worship we need to be a worshipping people we need to be a kind and compassionate people kindness and compassion tenderness and forgiveness forgiveness is an escaping value in the culture that we're living in in case you haven't missed it let me tell you again kindness compassion tenderness and forgiveness is drastically missing in our culture we need to put it back in the church of god needs to put it back in i'll tell you something church of god When I say the church has erred, I mean the body of Christ in America has erred big time. We've set the mantle down. We are no longer a clarion voice speaking into the lives of our leaders in the United States of America. Who was the last preacher that had the president's ear? Billy Graham. Franklin is running a close second. But I'll tell you this. This is interesting. Sidebar, I saw an interview of a guy that has written a book, uh, The Years of the Trump's White House. He said for three years, he interviewed his family, he interviewed staff, he asked questions, and he would meet with President Trump often, and he would ask him often, please, please tell me which one of your friends you would suggest that I should go and interview. And the president kept stalemating him. Finally, this gentleman got a memo from the press secretary and she said, the president has said you've been inquiring about this. He's, he's got a name for you. The guy said, just a name? Yeah, there's just one on his list. Paula White. You know who Paula White is? She's an evangelist, Southern evangelist. And here's the interesting thing. Not without, you know, not without these little discrepancies about her character that people have brought up. Same with Amy McPherson. You know, there's just these things that people say about people that are preaching the gospel. But Paula White has been a part of the White House staff under the Trump administration. She was a spiritual advisor to him. And he said, you want to ask questions? You want to see a friend of mine to ask questions? Talk to Paula White. We need to have that kind of influence on our next-door neighbors, on the people at the dry cleaner shop that we can't hardly understand their language, or at the convenience store, or wherever we're at. We need to be kind and tender-hearted and compassionate people. And we need to be generous and giving people. And I'm going to save the last one for last. A praying people. As I said, the, the Hebrews had the Shema. Do you know that Christians have a Shema? Did you know that? And we should repeat it every day. Our Father who art in heaven And we should say them both together, by the way. We should start off with the hero Israel, and I do that, but you know what I say? Hear, O Church of America, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And my duty is to love him with all my heart and my soul and my mind and my strength and pray to my Father who is in heaven that his kingdom will come here on this earth that we're living in and his will will be done here today as it is so decreed in heaven. Amen. We need to be a praying people. What, is Philippi, what did Paul write to the Philippian church? Chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. Be careful in that Don't worry. Remember that song in the 80s? Don't worry, be happy. The landlord says your rent is late. He going to have to litigate. Don't worry, be happy. Paul says, don't worry about a thing. If you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, don't worry, because it's under the blood. It's under the blood. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. In everything. And then there's the very well-known, oft quoted passages in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always, pray continually in everything, give thanks for, the will of, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Pray continually. We need to be a worshiping people. I just can't stress to you how much worship means to me and to Lana Gale. I, I came in to share a verse of scripture with her the other morning as she was preparing to go to work and she was sitting down in, the chair, in her chair there, her little study chair. I know when she's in that chair not to disturb her too much unless it's really relevant, you know, like, hey, hon, we, we need to move, the house is on fire, but otherwise I don't, I, don't, I don't bother her. But she was sitting there with a the tissue in her hand and she said every time that song comes on the radio. And she was, she was listening to the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. And she sat there and was listening to that, and she was weeping. And I said, in my spirit, and I say this all the time, and I say it to you right now, hon. I thank God every day that I have a worshiping woman at my side. If I have a worshiping woman at my side, who can stand against me? Who can stand against me? We need to worship like that. A couple of Psalms to share with you. 29 2 is one of them. This is not new stuff, this is just basic stuff. Psalm 29 2 give unto the lord the glory due unto his name we've done that this morning in our worship we've done that worship the lord in the beauty of holiness worship the lord in that in the splendor there i know that there that people have a take on that that means that we we, we we must be dressed to the nines when we come to church. And There's nothing wrong with that. Not, nothing wrong with that at all, but I, I don't think that that's what that encompasses there. Worship him in the splendor, in the beauty of holiness. His holiness. And here's the splendor. He's approachable. We can come into his presence. Hallelujah. All we have to do is stop our busyness and say, here I come, Lord, and right now, Lord, I just want to say thank you so much for loving me. And thank you so much, Lord, that puny little sin-filled Walter Henry can say back to you and you receive it, I love you, Lord. Remember when we used to sing this in the 70s? I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you. O oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. That's worshiping him in the beauty of holiness. That's worshiping him on the flip of a coin. That's worshiping him when it comes to you and it's just you hear him whisper, worship me, worship me. Psalm 96, 9, you got the notes too, so you know where I'm going. First time I've done that, by the way, is is submitted my notes and it's like, I guess I never really had a confidence level in it. I hope they're okay. I hope you can follow along with them. Oh, worship the Lord again. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Not just fear before him, Southgate Fellowship, Duncanville, Texas. Fear before him all the earth. He is the Lord of all. Who shall, Lord, who shall Ascend your holy hill. Who, who who shall come into your presence? He who has clean hands and a pure heart and has not lifted up his soul unto fa- to, uh, falsehood. That's who? That's who? So let's just make sure we come before him every day. And if we got check marks on us about what happened, Lord, cleanse my heart. Lord, wash my hands. David prayed Psalm 143. Let me hear of thy loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in thee. He wanted to know, he wanted to be assured of David. uh, David wanted to be assured of the Lord's love. First thing, before he rolled out of bed. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Jesus told the woman at the well, John chapter 4, The hour is coming and now is, woman, when they that worship me shall worship me in spirit and in truth. Worship the Lord with the essence of who you are. Jennifer Early, mom, daughter, auntie, wife, all of those things. But you are the Lord's handmaiden. Worship the Lord in the spirit of truth. What truth? This truth, behold, I am the Lord. You shall have no other gods before me. We do have a tendency to put things before the Lord, don't we? But we can repent and turn from it and come back to the Lord in worship. We need to be kind and compassionate people. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Phil uh, touched on this last week, but I want to re-travel it just a little bit beginning in verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed from your mouth. That means don't share stories, even if they don't have curse words in them, but that are just a little bit, you know, on the barnyard side. That's corrupt communication. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Just let your words build people up and not tear them down. Use your words to exalt people, not condemn them. That it may minister grace to the hearers. Oh, what a thought that our words would minister great, in great grace to, to the lady that checks you in at the dry cleaners or to the attendant in the store that takes your money for the gas you pumped, or whatever it is, that our words would minister great grace. I'll tell you what I've, I've tried to do. Now, you, you guys know this, and I, this is not racist. But you know, these young ladies, the young ladies, young black ladies, have got these names that are so different from Jane and Martha and Beverly and all of that. And, and when they're checking me out at the grocery store, I'm intrigued with that. And Lanagale and I play this little game. We try to figure out how to pronounce their name. And then we'll tell him, it's a lovely name, and it is. What did I just do? I just brought a little bit of smile to somebody's life. That's what he's talking about, about your words. That might edify people. You know? We're getting this, but we need to get it again and again and again. And here's our guard, church. Let not familiarity with the Scriptures breed contempt in you for them. This is our only way out. One day, like Jonathan Kahn said, to all the people now that are perpetrating evil, one day you're going to stand buck naked before the God of the universe and you ain't going to have nothing to say for yourself except to answer the questions that he asks you. Rejoice! Fill out your answer sheet now, day by day. Be ready, be worshipers, be prayers, and be kind and compassionate. Listen to Colossians chapter 3 and uh, verses 12 to 15. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, tender mercies. Tender mercies. From the gut. The old King James says, bowels of mercies. That's what it's meaning. Bring it from the depths of you. Tender mercies. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering. Lady, patience has grown wings and flown. Have you realized that? People are so impatient. Some, here's, here's a little homework assignment for you. Leave the signal light at Daniel Dale in Main Street, heading north on Main, and see how many people pass you up when you hold your speedometer at 30 miles an hour before you get to Center Street. Um, you might get a lot of one-gun salutes on the way. People are impatient. People are angry. Uh, I'll give you this is really funny, this is another sidebar. Thursday morning, Michael Sykes and I are standing our watch post on the sidewalk, 7989 West Virginia Drive, there in front of Planned Parenthood. Michael's got this beautiful sign that uh, Cody Baker left him, a handmade sign. It just says, your baby is as precious as you are. And I was holding the sign that said, Black Lives Matter, beginning in the womb. And we were just standing there momentarily, not praying, talking with each other. And his vehicle slowed down, and an older white man, I started to say gentleman, but I'll say it this way, an older white man put his window down and said, what uh, what, what are you you guys doing out here? Uh, uh, Looking for children to adopt? Michael said, why, you got one? And he kind of threw the guy off a little bit. And then, and then he said, well, are you doing any good out here? And I said, well, we, we get to talk to people up and down the sidewalk here and we get to, and he cut me off. He said, oh, Planned Parenthood. I get it. I get it. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Don't you know that those people are already hurting and you're just making them hurt worse? You, you guys are worse than child abusers. Yeah, he called us. Now we're out here praying for life, right? We're life in the womb. I tried to tell him, sir, right across the street is life, right there at Prestonwood Pregnancy Center. They're doing all the good work. And he said, you're, you, you guys are child abusers. And when he drove off, You guys are nothing but the devil himself. There's anger in our world. And the perpetrators of anger, they think they know what they're talking about. They think they're standing up for a cause. But anybody that takes a stand for a cause, and I admire people that take a stand for a cause. And I'd, I'd accord that angry old white man, and that's exactly what he was. I will accord that angry old white man his right as a citizen of these United States to express his opinion. But he crosses the line with me when his opinion becomes a mandate and mine no longer counts for anything. Lord, help us to be people, tender hearted people, humble people, and forgiving people. In Jesus' name. We need to be there. And we need to be a giving people. Luke 21 in the first four verses of Luke chapter 21 will tell us this, and we know the story. Jesus is standing in the treasury. Imagine this right now. Jesus standing at the back of the sanctuary next to the offering plate, and he's watching everybody walking by. And uh, the disciples are kind of marveling at that. And Jesus said about, he, he watched all the, all the well-to-do folk, all the religious leaders and everybody. They walked by and they put in generous offerings. And then this poor little lady, Lana Gillen makes me think about Mama, how she always made certain, no matter what her need was, my mother-in-law would always make certain that that tithe money was there even whether even how small it was that was the lords and that's what Jesus said fellas this poor widow here put in her last 2 cents that she had to live on and i'm going to tell you that matters more with the father and with me than all of this stuff that the fat cats threw in because they just threw in out of their excess but she threw in out of her poverty King James uses the word penury. She threw in out of the essence of her poverty. She threw in all she had to live on in this day. You know why she could do that? She was trusting in the Lord with all of her heart and not leaning unto her own understanding. She said, I'll give unto the Lord. He'll take care of me. Church, I want to tell you this. Give unto the Lord liberally. It says, 2 Corinthians 7, God loves a cheerful giver. There's a little discourse in verse 7, and the end of verse 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. If you can't give with cheer, I'm here to encourage you. Don't give it all. Don't give it all. If it's begrudging to you to give, don't give it all. But if you can do it with cheer, fill up that offering plate when you leave today, please, because the church needs it pay the light bills, pay what's going on, keep this place going, keep it nice and clean, warm and comfortable, and keep it a safe place for the for the few who are not afraid to say that they're Christians anymore. There's coming a day when that's going to come upon us, and I'm saying the church is a place for us to receive our fortification. So let's just give and give with liberality. Let's give like that little widow woman did. And lastly... We need to be a loving people. And I can rank loving people right up there with worshiping. Because we can't really worship, can we, Becca, if we don't love. It just doesn't mix. It's just like uh, if I've got a grudge against Matt, and uh, he just did me dirty, I, I can't really pray effectively. Because it goes against the grain. we got to be a loving people. Jesus said in John 13, 34, and 35, a new commandment I give unto thee that you love one another, even as I have loved you, so you love, show that same kind of love one to another. And then here's the claimer on it, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Can I tell you a truth, church? Hear me out too, Zoomers, this is really a truth. It wasn't love that created all so many denominations of Christianity that you can't even count them. That wasn't love. That wasn't love. That was, by and large, obstinate people who would not sit down and reasonably discuss with people something over a scripture. So the way I understand that scripture, Randy, is right. And you're all wrong, brother, because you don't see it my way. Boom. What's Randy do? He goes out in the street, gets four or five people, starts a church. The church of those who believe like Randy does. Put a sign in front of the building. Hey, there we go. We can't afford to do that. Paul writes to the Colossian church. And he said, put... On love, he wrote to the Roman Church, and he said, "Put on the Lord Jesus Christ." And I love the way it's rendered in the NIV: "Clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ." And don't make any way for sin to come in. Put on love. Be a loving person. And let me tell you what I need to really give you a word. Here's where you can really start to experiment come with us some first friday and help us love on the unlovely. Ooh. Yes. But don't just you know Jesus said if you love those that love you what's the big deal in that? Sinners do that. Love the unlovely. We've got to be a lovely, a loving church. So let's be loving, let's be worshipful, let's be prayerful, and let's be tender-hearted and compassionate and kind. I'm going to close with this. This is an excerpt from a great book I'm reading. I'm on the fifth disciple in this book right now. Twelve Ordinary Men, John MacArthur. He says, John died, by most accounts, around A.D. 98 during the reign of Emperor Trajan, Jerome, early church father and commentator, says in his commentary on Galatians that the aged apostle John was so frail in his final days at Ephesus that he had to be carried into the church. Now he was, by most traditional accounts in the early church, John ended his days as the pastor in the church at Ephesus where Paul had established that sometime earlier. But he had to be carried into the church, and one phrase, one phrase was constantly upon his lips My little children, love one another. That was a phrase that he repeated over and over and over again My little children, love one another. My little children, love one another. When asked, why that he repeated that so often. He said, it is a command of the Lord, and if this be done, it is enough. That's the seal on love. If this be done, it is enough. So thus the fishermen of Galilee, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, became fishers of man on a tremendous scale, gathering souls into the church. In a sense, they are still casting their nets into the sea of the world by their testimony in the Gospels and their epistles. They are still bringing multitudes of people to Christ. Although they were common men, theirs was an uncommon calling. And I will close with this prayer. Abba, Father, grant us all your great grace to go forth and to so do ourselves within the sphere of our individual influences. Help us to consecrate our hearts and souls to you and be ready always to give an answer to everyone who would ask us according to the hope they see in us and to do so with meekness and respect through Jesus Christ our Lord? Amen.